This is Galatians chapter 5. We're working our way through the uh, short uh, series in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, verses 22 to 23 this morning. But let's hear God's holy, inerrant, and infallible word. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading and preaching of your word, that Christ might be glorified, that the Holy Spirit would lead the way into all truth, and that you, our Father, would be pleased. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires, a state of happiness. Well, I don't think they've quite gotten it right. They don't really understand the nature of Christian joy. They don't understand the nature of what God gives the Christian Uh, in joy itself. So I've got a three-point sermon this morning as we explore the question of what is the gift of joy. And we're going to ask, what is the gift of joy? Second, who gives joy to the believer? And thirdly, how can a Christian practice this gift? So firstly, what is the gift of joy? The Apostle Paul is writing to a Galatian church, the church that it seems is beguiled by Judaizers who have come in and said, you must keep the law if your desire is to please God. In order to be justified, one needs to obey. And so they're looking for and they're, they're equating justification with obedience of the law. And Paul says, no, we are, we are not justified by our works. We are justified by grace, through faith. He even warns those Judaizers and tells them he'd rather that they mutilate themselves than that they would mutilate believers by their odious call to obedience of, or a life of obedience that would justify them before God. But we understand that we are justified by grace through faith. We believe God and we trust in him. That faith itself is a gift of the Holy Spirit created in us. Those of us whose hearts have been hardened against the gospel, who would not believe were it not for the Holy Spirit wooing and prompting and enabling faith. And so we have believed. We've believed. We've been justified by grace through faith. Is the Ephesians chapter 2, 8, and 9. For you've been justified by grace through faith, and that not of, you've received the gift, uh, uh, pardon me, on occasion, verses well known are sometimes forgotten. Uh, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Well, what is joy? Joy is not happiness or gladness in an evil practice. It's not happiness over something that one has done as 
and accomplished in, in an expression of evil. It's not laughter. Some are under the misunderstanding that joy is simply a momentary happiness. No, it's not that. It's not, it's not the idea of seeing someone who is always just has a smiley disposition. No, that's not being filled with the gift of joy. Joy is not a sunny day and, and a, a, a happy heart because of it. Uh, joy is not a happy memory. It's, it's not Joel Osteen's view of enjoyment of one's possessions and resources. He says this, when you're tempted to get discouraged, look back over your life. You have a history with God. Think about all the times he made a way where you didn't see a way. He gave you strength. He protected you. He hasn't brought you this far to leave you where you are. You can't receive happiness if you're thinking sadness. Joy comes every morning. Well, biblically, if Mr. Osteen was concerned to look at the Bible, he would find that Christian joy transcends physical sadness, that the sad Christian can also be the joy-filled Christian. Joy is not pleasure in our resources. It's not a shiny disposition, and it's not really just merely an optimism about life. Joy is fundamentally a response within our inner being to the work of God's grace. Joy is contemplating God's goodness and our salvation and responding with happiness and with joy and the expression of emotion and thanksgiving. It is the welling over of the heart in emotional response of gladness to God's savings works. And one is capable of having that even when one's heart is sad. Or when one's heart is glad. In all of life's circumstances, the Christian should be filled and can be filled with joy. Now the word used for joy here, there are multiple words in the scriptures used for joy. The one used here is kara, it's, or Cairo is the, is the noun, but it's, uh, it's, it's word, it, word derivative is, is, is created in verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 22. Here it's kara. And it's very, very close to grace, uh, <clears throat> charis. But kara simply means to be glad, to rejoice, to be filled with joy. It's rejoicing over someone or something. Now, the New Testament translation for uh, uh, or is it, it, this word is a translation of the Old Testament word of simcha or sason. I know a young girl whose name is simcha. It's a wonderful name to have. It means joy. Excuse me. The word joy is used in Luke's gospel 20 times. It's used in Acts chapter 11 times. In John's gospel, it's used 18 times. It's, it's used multiple, multiple times throughout the scriptures. The Old Testament texts speak of joy, the joy of parents in a wise child. The Old Testament speaks in Psalm 104 of God's provision and of eating and drinking in joy before God. The joy sometimes in the Old Testament is, is transitory because it's, it's subject to grief or suffering, as Proverbs 14 says. And Psalm 126 talks about the joy that those 
know who ascend the hill of the Lord, who have sown in tears and who now ascending into the presence of God reap with joyful shouting. The highest joy for the believer is to know God. It's to know the supreme God and to know the great things that he has done, like Joel 2 speaks of. Rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has done great things. And the believer who, in the midst of sorrows and trials and afflictions and good days and sunny days and gladness of the heart, at all times is filled with a sense of thanksgiving to God because we are always returning, always marveling over the great, things which God has done for us. Surely the Christian can say in in any season of his or her life, the Lord has done great things for me. The Lord is my joy. If it were not for the Lord, I would have despaired, but the Lord has done great things for me. Well, the New Testament connections with joy often are connected with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the proclamation of good news. It is a message that Mary, it is a message that Elizabeth, it is a message that Zechariah even all speak of with joyous tones and and of rejoicing. It's a message of joy. God the Father has sent forth his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for sinners, to offer himself as a sacrifice for those whose debt is beyond payment. And yet the Son of God has come to make payment, an impossible payment for any simple human being, but one whom the perfect God-man can offer himself in full atonement. And that is a message of joy. And we do well this morning to remember that fact. If you lack joy this morning, it's because you've forgotten that you've been redeemed by grace through faith. If you lack joy this morning, you've forgotten to be grateful to God for the salvation in which you find yourself today. Such a perspective is common to us as human beings, isn't it? We often look for our joy in things, in circumstances, in family, in relationships, in possessions, resources, things that we find enjoyable. But that will not provide a lasting, perpetual joy. I think in in the hymn that we sing, I love that hymn, Solid Joys and Lasting Treasure. Only those know who are Christians and who walk in Christ. The Christian looks with eschatological expectation, uh, expectation surrounding the end of all things, and we look to Christ and we long for Christ and we long to come into full possession of all that has been granted to us in Christ Jesus. Matthew 5, Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. And with joy we anticipate that reward that we will receive from our Savior. The second question we ask in this pa- of this passage this morning in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is who gives joy to the believer? Who gives a believer joy? Where does our joy come from? Who gives joy to the believer? Well, God is the author of all 
joy. He is the one who gives joy. The Bible says that God is love. We may appropriately say in in derivation from the word of God, God is joy as well. God is the author and giver of all joy. John 17, 13, God possesses joy. God is pure joy. God possesses and gives joy. Jesus says, and I have joy. I have rejoiced in you and you have rejoiced in me. I'm paraphrasing. And now let my joy be full in them. Let our joy be in them. To come into relationship to Jesus Christ means to walk in a joy that cannot be shaken. I have been saved by grace. The Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior. God the Father has loved me before all eternity, and the Holy Spirit now lives in my heart. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Is that not the source of our joy? Should we not be people of joy? Should joy not characterize the fullness of all of our days? He gives and he proclaims his word. The joy he gives is the knowledge of himself and of his saving act. He comforts us when we are grieved. He reassures us of his love when we are ashamed. And when we're weak, he strengthens us. Supremely, Jesus has perfect joy, which flows from his communion with the Father and then is granted to all who are his disciples. John 15 is all about that. I am the vine, you are the branches. My joy flows through me into you. Romans 14, 7 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom of God is. Joy. So as we as Christians think about the coming of Christ and about ascending into the kingdom of God and the descent of the kingdom of God one day upon the new heavens and the new earth, we should anticipate and our highest anticipation should be I'm going to dwell in the presence of the Savior. I'm going to enter into full possession of all that He has won for me. And I am going to be resplendently filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember David? <clears throat> Do you remember David in the Psalm 51 when he sinned with the sin which he sinned with Bathsheba. We'll look at that passage in just a moment, but one thing he says is, I've sinned against you. Cleanse me of my iniquity. He cries out, Lord, address the weakness of my soul. Fill me with your cleansing power. And then he has a curious statement, one which, frankly, we ought to emulate. He says this, Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. Now he's he's in full recognition of the sin which he has committed, Against the Lord. Purify me, he asks. 
But he says this, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me no wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Isn't it true that when we sin against the Lord, we are deeply convicted? Joy seems to suck right out of us. There's nothing left left but a sense of God's displeasure and of our own shame because we have sinned against God. Isn't that true? And Satan comes in with his whisperings. Surely God cannot save you. Surely in your condition, the Lord would have nothing whatsoever to do with you. You've forsaken God. You're lost altogether. Your sins, surely they cannot be forgiven. But the Christian replies weakly, but in hope. Oh, but there is forgiveness with God. There is forgiveness with God. Purify me. If God is pleased to purify me, I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. But then the the, the psalmist says, and, and, and we as Christians, after we have sinned, must say the same. Lord, restore the joy that I have in you. Remind me of the gospel promises. Show me anew that Christ has died for my soul. Come and wash me clean. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me, in verse 13, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Three times in that passage, joy. Later on in the same psalm, he talks about his joyful tongue will sing the praises of God. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Oh, dear friend, are you this morning in need of the restoration of the joy of the knowledge that comes to a believer that Christ has died for you? We need not be convinced. We need to be convinced this morning, at the very least, that yes, Christ dies for sinners. That God cleanses the wicked sinner. That God is willing to forgive sin. That when He cleanses and washes, we are clean indeed. Can you affirm that in your mind? But then, can you take the next step as well? This God has done not just for sinners, but for me. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Yes, Christ died on the cross and he died for sinners' sake so that all who believe in him would be saved. Their sins forgiven, the wrath of God settled fully in the Son on the cross, poured out upon him, and now forgiven, I am received and my Father is pleased with his Son in me. Remember when the disciples came back to Jesus, he had sent them out along with the 70 and he had said, go, go and, and do great things in the name of the kingdom of God. And they went out, they came back and they said, demons listened to us. 
We're able to heal extraordinary diseases. We rebuked in your name and the power of the name of Jesus Christ was displayed in us and we felt used by God. And Jesus says, don't just rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. You and I, we, we, are tend, we tend to take a lot of joy over our circumstances, the things that we have. And we rejoice over all sorts of things. Today, your day will be filled with moments of joy. You will see your grandchildren reply to you or hug you, and that will bring your heart great joy. And it's good joy. You'll sit down to a good meal. Your heart, your stomach will be filled. And you will see that your wife, your husband, your family loves you. And your heart will be filled with joy. You'll at least have some semblance of joy in that sense. You get into your car and you say, thank you, Lord, for this car, this thing. It's been good for me. It takes me where I need to go. I'm thankful for the gifts that you give me. You put your head down in the bed at night and you say, thank you, Lord, for rest. Or awake early in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, for a day. But above all those things, the believer is to say, oh, Lord God, my joy is found in this. I rejoice over your gifts, but I give thanks and I rejoice and I experience joy and I ask for an increase of joy because my name is written and recorded in heaven. Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 talk about a persistent joy that is worked in the heart of the believer because the Holy Spirit is working this fruit in us through our justification in Christ, our new relationship with God, the peace that we have with God through the Lord Jesus Christ who is our peace. So thirdly and lastly, the last question is, how can a Christian practice this gift of joy? Now clearly not all of us have the same level of gifts, but or fruit, pardon me, I'm misusing that word. It's not all about gifting, it's about fruit. And so, therefore, fruit, this isn't speaking in this passage about, uh, about varying gifts that none of us all have, but some of us have one or two through a long list, from a long list of gifting. This is referring to, in this passage, the fruit, as we said last week, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In other words, all of the things you see listed here are to be active in the life of every believer. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things, all of them. They are a fruit that displays that the Holy Spirit lives within us. Many years ago as a child, I thought, and I was told this, that if I ate a seed from an orange that I was eating, if I swallowed that seed, I would have an orange tree growing up in my very belly. Well, we all know that's not true, but we all believed it. I believe you take that seed into your belly, something's going to happen. Well, as a Christian, we tend to think that we can take in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, and there's no real daily change. We certainly, our, our spirit will not really respond. Well, you can eat that orange seed and it will simply be processed in your body or spit right back out. 
might give you a bit of a tummy ache if you eat a whole lot of them. But it's not going to stay there. But if the Holy Spirit lives within your heart, then surely there is a response within our within us to this gifting and and this 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 fruit because the Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift through Christ and his riches that he has won on the cross, the fruit of the Spirit will in fact lead to an increase of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in all of us. If the Holy Spirit lives within you, you will bear a life. You will live a life of born fruit. You will bear fruit for God. So the third and last question is, as I've mentioned, how can a Christian practice this fruit? Contrary to our human assumptions, joy is strengthened, affirmed, and clarified in sadness and affliction. Did you know that? Joy is clarified, given given clarity, and, and made all the more glorious. It is strengthened and affirmed in sadness. I think it's a hard thing for Christians to experience daily joy when we are satisfied with the way that our lives are, when we are satisfied with our consumption of good things. Joy is biblically more expressly manifest when the Christian is sad or afflicted or in trouble. And Paul writes to a church in Philippi that's in trouble, that's being persecuted for their faith. And he says this, he says repeatedly throughout the epistle that they are to rejoice in God. But he says in Philippians 3.1, rejoice in the Lord. He says in chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Our joy is not in ourselves nor in our circumstances. Christian joy never really ultimately comes. The kind of joy that God himself grants from himself, his very character, through the fruit that bears, through the Holy Spirit that bears fruit in our lives, that joy is something that is preserved and kept in Jesus Christ. And it is never found in our circumstances. It is always found in our God. Where would we be without the grace of God? What should be our perspective toward all the stuff and garbage and trash of the world that wants that the world wants to give us in Satan's counterfeit attempts to provide us with an alternative to Jesus Christ? In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul identifies, he makes mention of the fact that the world has a lot of stuff that seems to give us immediate pleasure. What does he call it there? He calls it dung. It's refuse. It's trash. But I think we we all together as Christians are oftentimes satisfied with lesser things, aren't we? When we're sad or not feeling well, we're very, very satisfied to go out for a ride. We'll feel so much better if we just get a new something, a new piece of furniture, a new piece of clothing, We go to the store and we pick up some new bobble, a new toy, 
whatever it may be, all of us seem so content to go get something new, and that will make our hearts glad. Paul's writing to a church that perhaps faces that possibility, and he says, no, rejoice in the Lord. Solid treasures and lasting joys only God's people know. Satan wants to offer us a counterfeit that can only bring immediate pleasure but cannot bring joy. Satan does not have joy. Satan can produce, Satan can lead you into pleasure and immediate gratification, but he cannot give you joy. Only God can give you joy. Satan cannot create the fruit of love, as we spoke of last week, nor can he create the fruit of joy. He has a counterfeit. Worldly pleasure that immediately gives us immediate gratification, but he does not have joy. Joy cannot come to you apart from God. And God gives us righteousness, forgiveness, pardon, and grace. So how should a Christian respond to this? Well, just like Psalm 42 verse 11 says, Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He is our joy. And so the Christian takes a look at what Christ has done and says, and reminds oneself and reminds one's inner being and preaches to our heart and reminds our mind and says, be transformed by the reality that God, the Son of God, has died for you. Derek Thomas has this comment to say, Far too often we spend our days in misery and gloom, all because we think we are not taking what we know to be true about God and his control over our lives seriously. We have to pray and ask God for strength to overcome our depressive, melancholy states. There is such a thing as a will that will not bend to God's. We can become hardened, refusing to see the good hand of God. It is a cancer that will destroy us, he says. How can a Christian respond? How can we seek the fruit of the Spirit in joy? All who trust in God and search for their joy in Him, cast our fears behind us, trust Him and seek fellowship with the Holy Spirit continually. Sinful responses refuse to hope in God when affliction is encountered, but sinful responses fail to take God at His word. They fail to consider their joy in Jesus Christ But you and I need to respond, not with sinful responses, but to trust in God and search for our joy in Him. When anxiety comes, we should seek God all the more. Are you afraid of something? We had a wonderful discussion Wednesday night in Bible study about handing it all to God and saying, Lord, you you take care of this. Father in heaven, this is my great need. I bring it to you and ask, Lord, that you would intervene, that you would provide, that you would sustain, that you would grant grace, that you would grant power, that you would change these circumstances. And to do all that we can legally and, and, and biblically before God and to leave the matter with him. It's like a cancer patient who receives a a horrible prognosis from his doctor when he goes in for a physical. And the doctor says, well, you have cancer. And what do we do? 
we say, well, okay, doctor, outline a, 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 a treatment plan, and I will, I will undergo that treatment. I'll take the, the chemo, and I'll perhaps have the radiation, and perhaps even subject myself to surgery. I'll do everything that I can. I might change my diet. I'm going I'm to change my work program. But what I'm first going to do when I go home is I'm going to pray. Lord, would you change my circumstances? Lord, would you save me by your grace? Lord, will you work in my body and heal me? Will you use these means or even transcend these means? Will you heal me? But if you're not pleased to heal me, will you let me glorify your great name and not waste my suffering? When we, anxiety comes, we should seek the Lord with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our mind. The joy of the Lord is our strength, Nehemiah tells the crowd of people. There are so few of them there, and they're afraid, and they feel very weak. And Nehemiah and Ezra are there leading in proclamation of the word of God. They are to feast and rejoice in the Lord. Some of them are crying, and they say, no, you are to rejoice in God because he has done a great thing for you. The joy of the Lord is your strength, he says. Let this be our continual cry in our heart of hearts. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Faith further, if you would see this fruit of faith form within you. Faith faith considers that anxiety, fear, and affliction have a very short duration. Affliction, fear, and anxiety, and trying circumstances, they don't last very long, do they? Even if they lasted to the end of your life, it's nothing in comparison with eternity. And so anxiety, fear, and affliction have less of a significance than God. Because if eternality is our continual relationship with God that is unending, so this becomes the chiefest joy in the heart of the afflicted Christian. I've been granted eternal life through Jesus Christ. How can I lend a greater importance to my temporary affliction, my short-lived struggle, when God has granted to me eternal bliss with him. How can I look at my momentary light affliction and consider it an everlasting weight when that is not what it is, but I have been granted an everlasting weight of glory in Christ Jesus that I will come into full possession of once I leave this life in this world. Further, dear friends, we need changes in our perspective more than in our circumstances. I know that many of us think this morning, I need my circumstances to change, and then I'll have joy. You can have joy right now. You should have joy right now. The afflicted and fearful saint walks in hope, knowing that after suffering for a little while, joy will be renewed when we share in his glory. Even if joy is is still at arm's length in this world, and you lack, even though you long for it, you lack that joy, joy is not far beyond your arm's reach. It will be yours 
for all eternity. Unhindered by any anxiety or fear, joy will be renewed for you when you enter into the presence of God. Be patient, suffering Christian. Be patient. Obey the Lord. Look to him continually. He will give you patience. He will teach you endurance. He will renew your joy. There is a greater joy for you to pursue and to, to receive. In John chapter 15, 11, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Now, is Jesus saying... My joy is in you as an object, or is he saying, my joy will come to be in you? What is he saying? I think it's both. Surely the the joy of God our Father, the joy of God the Son, the joy of God the Holy Spirit, isn't Jesus in John chapter 17 praying that this would be granted to every believer? And further than that, hasn't Jesus said, You are my friends. As he looks at his disciples, surely Jesus is joyful in you and his joy is in you. Mankind forsook joy in Adam's sin. Can you imagine the joy that Adam had with God and Eve? The joy as they walked in his presence in the garden. They forsook that joy and embraced the counterfeit offered by Satan. Oh, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will become like God. You will be like him and you will think as he thinks. They surrendered that joy of intimacy with God. Jesus came to restore it. Jesus came to restore your joy, the joy that we lost in Adam. And he rejoices in the sinners that are restored. So how can we respond? One writer has said the Holy Spirit has exhorted the faithful to continue clapping their hands for joy until the advent of the promised Redeemer. Christian, clap your hands over what God has done, and give thanks. Ask the Lord to renew your joy daily. Find great joy as you return to pour over the salvation which Jesus Christ has accomplished for you. Rejoice in the forgiveness of sins. Give thanks for the presence of the Holy Spirit. Cry out as the psalmist does, Restore my joy that I once had with you. Come and create in my clean heart, create in me a clean heart, restore the joy of my salvation, and the Lord will be pleased to do it. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and he is at work creating that in you. May we cry out all the more unto our God, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. Let me know the joy of God the Father in God the Son. Let me know the joy with which Christ is filled. Let it fill up me. Let me approach life differently from this day forward, rejoicing continually in all that Christ has done for me. And let me display the joy of my God in my life and conduct and in my joy in my fellow believers. Let's pray.